seated in the presence of the Lord. We're so thankful that you chose to join us today. We're well aware that it's summer and, and uh, all of the vacationing and things going on, but we're glad you're in the house today. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We talked last week about being made righteous, that we are the righteousness of God. We didn't do anything to earn it. Amen. We never done nothing. Say nothing. Nothing to earn it. We were born into it. Amen. And we used as an example, just as I was born into the family, the Matthews family, whenever I didn't ask for it, I didn't uh, have anything to do with it, right? But I was born into it, and I was made a Matthews by being born into the Matthews family. We are born again, that we are born into righteousness. He has made us righteous. Amen. And so we didn't do it anything, but the blood of Jesus made us righteous. And so I want to talk to you today about this righteousness and why he has made us righteous. Because if he made us righteous, then there must be a reason, right? Amen. And so I want to go to Romans chapter 10 and read verses 1 and 2, if you will, with me. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have the zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of the God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Amen. And so this scripture here brings us to an understanding or a knowing that there is a righteousness of man and there is a righteousness of God. Amen. Can you agree with me? He said that you, you, your knowledge has not made you righteous. That you, this man-made righteousness is not what we're looking for. So he, he tells uh, Hosea for chapter 6, that, or excuse me, chapter 4, verse number 6 that we, we, we are in trouble because of a lack of knowledge, right? And so part of being righteous is learning your righteousness and your rights. It is vital that our knowledge concerning the word is correct and that we will respond to the word that has been given to us. And so we will simply think that we know about it Unless we read about it. But when we read it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It doesn't come by singing. Amen. How many love to worship? I love to worship. But worship, faith doesn't come by singing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. And so as important as it is for us to worship and thank God that we've got that revelation because worship will set an atmosphere that you can hear the voice of God. And worship is important and we need to do it more than on Sunday. Our, our houses should be a house of worship. Amen. Amen. 
and that's all free. I didn't even have that in my notes. It's just free, okay? Uh, but, but our houses should be a house of worship. But the reality of it is, is we have to have the word. And, and we haven't had the focus on the word that we need. But we need to people of the word. Amen. Because when we have the word, then we know what the word says. And we believe the word instead of the opinions of men. The word is vital. It, it, it is life-giving. The word will bring life to you. The word will bring life to the word of God so that you can understand it and you can divide the word of God with truth. Romans chapter 10 here, verse number 3, in this passage, Paul makes a distinction between the righteousness of God and the righteousness established by men. The apostles call... Uh, here in, in the scripture, he is calling us to submit to the righteousness of God instead of the righteous attempts established by men. And so there, there was a submitting to righteousness and the rightness of God. And so it, it must have been all the way back there that people were trying to get it by works. They were establishing it. If you did this, you did this, you did that, then, then you get this righteousness. And Paul says, away with all of that and submit to the righteousness of God. Amen. Submit your lives to the doctrine of righteousness and justification. And so what is the difference between the righteousness of God and the righteousness of men? It's the very important to understand because the, in the heart of all of this, we must understand the right uh, operation of righteousness. And so if he gave us, if I was to give you a free gift, right? If I was to give you a gift, then it doesn't come along with if you come and mow my grass. I'll give this to you. If are you with me? If you come and do this this task for me, then I'll give this to you. No, that's not a gift. You are receiving something because you have done something. Right? But righteousness of God is not about you coming and doing something to get righteous. He says this is a gift. And so if I was, let me say it another way. If I was to come to my kids and, and it come Christmas time and I said, I've got a gift for you and, and, and I want you to do this. I want you to, to rub my feet. Right? I want you to take out the trash. I want you to clean the house. That would be a miracle. And, and I want you, to, I want you to, to take me out to eat. And then I'm going to give you your Christmas gift. How many know that would go over like a lead balloon? <laughs> Amen. Because there's no gift in that. You're receiving compensation for what you have done. And man's righteousness is you working for something. I gave you the example at the end of service last week about Leah and Rachel, right? How that, how that, we see that he would work seven years for Leah and he would be disappointed. It's a picture of religion, man's righteousness, working for something. 
But then the next, he says, you fooled me, uh, Laban, and, 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 and you've, you've messed with my mind. But he, he tells him, he says, look, I'm, I'm going to give you Rachel. But you work for me another seven years. What is the difference? He is working out of something he has already done, got. I, I read it somewhere. I'm not sure where. Work out your own soul salvation. And with fear and with trembling. Amen. Working out of it. Not working for it. Amen. And once you receive this righteousness, then you'll want to work for the Lord. You'll want to serve the Lord. You'll want to do good things for the Lord. But we're not doing good things and we're not working so we get something. We're working because we got something. Amen. Amen. And so as we receive this work of righteousness in our lives then we understand the revelation of what he has done for us. Because you see, if we don't understand that he has made us righteous, then every time that we sin or come short of the glory of God, we, it'll push us away from God. <coughs> Are you walking with me? Amen. It'll, it'll, it'll push me away from God because I don't understand what he's done for me. And so if I have, uh, you know, if I have, just making an example, if I have had an issue with between me and Brother Gary, then how many know sometimes if that conflict is not taken care of, then there can be a wall between us. Where that whenever I see him, I kind of slip over here and when he sees me, he kind of goes that way, right? Because... There is unresolved conflict or an issue between us. And so now it brings a wall or a barrier of division between us. And if we don't understand righteousness, that's what will happen when the enemy, when we sin. Because how many know we all are going to sin and come short of the glory of God? We don't do it on a regular basis. We don't do it every day just so because, should we sin because grace abounds? God forbid. But if we do sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, right? So we call upon him quickly like David did and ask for his forgiveness. But if we don't understand righteousness, whenever we do sin, when we do whatever you want to call it, fail, make a mistake, then uh, suddenly we'll, we'll say things like this, I'm guilty, I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed, right? I'm worthless. I'm a sinner. So therefore, instead of running to God, we run away from God. Amen. And when we're running away from God, then we don't understand his righteousness. But his righteousness made us righteous. And when we do sin, we have an advocate where that we don't have to run and hide, Adam. But we can cry, Abba, Father. Forgive us of our sin. And he, make, he brings us and washes us and cleanses us and wipes the slate clean again. Glory to God. Amen. And so when, when we're born into the spirit of God, he makes us clean. He makes us pure. And the enemy wants to, to put in our minds that we, are, that we have done so much wrong that we need to now go and hide from Father God. Your sins will make a coward out of you. 
Amen? It'll cause you to run. It'll cause you to hide. But when you understand his righteousness is not to bring you to punishment or to condemnation, but bring you back to him. Amen? Bring him back to glory to God. I feel his presence here today. Bring us back to him so that those sins can quickly be put under the blood so we can continue to run the race of faith. Amen? But you see, our feelings, we, we allow our feelings to control us. And we get that sense of guilt and inferiority. And we begin to allow those feelings to, to control us and to dominate us. And we feel as though that we're no longer in right standings with God. And somehow we have made God angry. But I want to tell you today, this song that we've sung for the last year, two years, whatever it is. He's a good, good father. It's more than a song. He's a loving father. We can't even fathom the love of God. Amen. And he's reaching out to us not to push us away, but always to draw us to himself. And so we, we think these things that we're so bad and we have sinned. Yes, we have sinned and we've come short of the glory. But I want to tell you today, focusing on your sin will never make you righteous. Amen. I'm going to say that again. Focusing on your sin will not make you righteous. Neither will it make you a better person. Amen. You've got to get beyond the sin and you've got to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. And you've got to say to, to, today that God, yes, I have sinned and come short of the glory. But guess what? He's an ever-present help in the time of need. And so I'm going to call upon him and he's going to redeem me. Glory to God. You see, the Spirit of God and the Word of God never contradicts itself. It always speaks truth and it always speaks together. That's whenever somebody comes to you and says, I've got a word for you. <laughs> you can weigh it against the word and find out if it is a word. Amen. Because if it doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's not a word for you. Amen. And so he, he, the enemy comes and he comes to be an accuser of the brethren. He comes and he does a good job at it, making you feel condemned, making you feel, I said last week, like a, a you know, talk of, of, in the church for a long time, I heard people's testimony that they was just an old wretched worm. And they was a sinner saved by grace. Now, you, either you are a sinner or you're saved. You can't be both. Amen. And so I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. My sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. Amen. And so I'm either saved or I'm a sinner. But the righteousness of God, I've been born into this righteousness that as a believer, if I do sin, I have an advocate with the Father God. Amen. The only power that Satan has over us is when we believe his lies but when we choose not to believe his lies then we can overcome first john 1 and 9 said if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness he's true to his word 
He's true to his nature. He's true to forgive and to redeem us. <laughs> Amen. So if he's making us righteous, if he is cleansing us, if he is redeeming us, if he has, is, is clothing us with his righteousness, then why is he doing that? There must be a reason for him to, to cleanse us, to make us righteous. Well, I submit to you that he, he does this and he is doing it that the Holy Spirit can come and live on the inside of us. Amen? The Holy Spirit, even in Pentecostal circles, has been played down for the last 12 or 15 years. The Holy Spirit has been, been uh, looked at as if it were something negative. But I'm here today to tell you that everything Jesus did was to prepare us for the Holy Spirit. Amen. And if we do not have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, we will be ill-equipped to have victory every day of our lives. Amen. How is it that, 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 that we, we, well, let me just say it this way. I'm thoroughly convinced that the church, I say the church, I say believers, that we have sinners' issues and dealing with sinners' problems in the church because there's a lack of the Holy Spirit's indwelling and understanding of him. Let me say it this way. We're dealing with struggles and issues in our life that we could quickly overcome if we would just live in the righteousness of God, the blood of Jesus, being saved and redeemed, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, why do I say that? Because the Holy Spirit gives us power. Amen? The Holy Spirit gives us power. And so he comes to live, he, Jesus come with his blood, he, he saved us, he, he brought us into the kingdom, we were born into righteousness, and so he cleanses us so the Holy Spirit can come and dwell on the inside of us. Glory to God. Now I want to look at John chapter 1 and verse 29. John 1, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Now, when Jesus came, he came bringing, I believe, two messages. Number one, it was about the sacrifice of Jesus. When Jesus came, he took away the sins of the world. If Jesus took away the sacrifice, which means that he changed or everything shifted from the old covenant system. He did away with the need, first of all, for the temple. He did away for, with the need for the Levitical priesthood. Because there would be no need for any more sacrifice. Amen. He became the lamb that would be slain 
for all of mankind's sin. So therefore, when he came, he took away this need for sacrifices, which is, means the temple is not needed, neither is the Levitical priesthood needed. This plan was to bring us to, a, to be cleansed by God through Jesus' blood, making us the righteousness of God, right? And so as he did, the Holy Spirit would come and live on the inside of us. Are you tracking with me? And then in Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, I believe this is the second reason. Luke 3 and 16, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Somebody say fire. Amen. So he prophesies about the ministry of Jesus. And he said that he is coming and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. How many know that when he baptizes you with fire, you can't hide it? It's not something you put over in a compartment and bring out whenever you need it. When you get fire, it, it burns. Come on, somebody. Amen. It ignites. It cannot be hid. When the fire is burning, it burns ablaze and it get, burns out anything that gets in its way. And so we see here that in Luke's gospel, he is prophesying about the ministry of Jesus and, and when we see the ministry of Jesus and he says he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. But Jesus did not do that while he was here on earth. It was after he went back to heaven. It was after he went back to heaven that he praised this prayer in John chapter 14 and verse 16. <coughs> Let's look at that. And he said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. After Jesus returns to heaven, he prays this prayer of that the Father would send you and I another helper and he would be here forever. Right? I want to read one other scripture in Acts chapter 2, verse 16 through 18, and then we'll drop down to verse 32. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What kind of flesh? And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And all my men servants and all my maidservants I will pour out of my spirit in those days. Somebody say days. days. And they shall prophesy. I want you to notice a couple of things here. First of all, the word days is plural. Some doctrine tells us that it was just for that day, for that season. But the scripture says it's plural. 
in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. Now, the second thing that I want you to see is, is that this, this days is, it is not just for one day and it's not for one generation. But he said, I'll pour my spirit out on my sons and my daughters. He starts with generations that are to come and then he backs his way back into, amen, the, the, the uh, men, the women, the maidservants and the manservants. And so he's, what he is saying here is this, that every generation will be touched by the power of God. Every generation will experience the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. And so he, he, how, why would he say in, in, not just day, but he would say days? Because there was billions of people that had not yet been born yet. Right? And they would come into this time and this season and every generation would need to experience the Holy Spirit. Amen. I would submit to you today that we need the Holy Spirit today more than they did in the upper room. We need the Holy Spirit more than any other generation that ever walked on this planet. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. Amen. This is not a history lesson. This is something that is alive today. It is vital today. It is important today. And don't allow anybody to talk you out of it. Don't allow anybody to talk you out of it. They want to make excuses and say, well, I'm Methodist, I'm Baptist, I'm Presbyterian, I'm Catholic. Oh, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, it isn't about your denomination. It isn't even about how you grew up or your background. This is a, this is a biblical thing. It is not a denominational thing. And he wants everyone to receive the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason he sent Jesus. That's the reason we've been born into this body. That's the reason we've been made righteous. So that this precious gift of the Holy Spirit can abide with us forever. Amen. Amen. And so he comes to us and that we may receive him. But the Bible says that he, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he came to his own and his own received him not. But as as many as received him, what? He made them sons and daughters. He made them sons and daughters. I want to submit to you that Jesus' generation rejected him. And I submit to you this generation is rejecting the Holy Spirit. He has come to his own, and his own hasn't received him. Why? Because we live with a, with a mindset of sin instead of a mindset of righteousness. People say, well, you need to preach on sin no more. No, you need to preach on righteousness more. Because you, when the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, nobody has to tell you you've sinned. Huh? What is the Holy Spirit's job? To convict us of what? Sin and righteousness. Amen. 
And whenever the Holy Spirit comes and makes us and tells us we are righteous in God, we are righteous in Christ Jesus, and then we do sin and come short of the glory of God, guess what? You don't have to wait till Sunday for some preacher to point his finger at you and say, you've sinned and you're going to hell. No, the moment that you sin, the moment that you compromise, the moment that you say a thing that's wrong or do a wrong deed, immediately Holy Spirit checks you. Am I telling it right? Holy Spirit checks you and says, uh-uh, back up. Don't be saying that. Don't be talking that. Don't get involved in that conversation. Huh? Don't go down that road. Amen. Because the Holy, glory to God, the Holy Spirit is there to convict me. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to do away with that. I want the Holy Spirit to be there to be my convictor. I want the Holy Spirit there to be my, to be my director. That, that, that quickly I can repent. Amen. Quickly I can repent. He came to his own and his own received him not. Holy Spirit has come to the church. It's the greatest gift. I've told you this how many times? The greatest gift that God ever gave the world was salvation. But the greatest gift God ever gave the church was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I believe that with all of my heart. That the Holy Spirit will lead us. It will guide us. It will direct us. It will ordain our steps. And so today we have to not only accept Jesus, but we have to accept the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 32. He tells us this Jesus God has raised up from of which we are all witnesses. This Jesus that God has raised up, we are all witnesses. Is that all I gave you? All right, I messed up. Go on. Can you go on for me? I'm sorry. Well, I can look it up. I'm right here. Verse 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Amen. Therefore, now he's talking about Jesus, right? Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he, Jesus, poured out this which was now seen and here. You now see it and you now hear it. Now, this is, this is not just something in theory. This is something that has evidence with it. Amen? It's not just something you talk about, but it's something that you've seen. Amen? Jesus received the gift from the Father, and now it's in his hand. And the Bible says that Jesus receives the gift of the Holy Spirit... You see this, and now he's pouring it out. You see that? Now he's pouring it out, 
And as he pours it out, he says, you, it's not just a theory of being poured out, but you see it and you hear it. Something's taking place. Something is going on. And so Jesus pours it out. And, and watch this. And I, wanna, I, I didn't give this to him, but I want to read this. He said, it, you see it and you hear it. For David did not ascend into the heavens but they, he says himself, the Lord said to my, uh, my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Right? So whenever he pours this out, he's going to cause your enemies to be a footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and your children and to them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. This was not a one day event. This was not just a one generation blessing. But this was something that came from the Father's heart. Put into Jesus' hands. And Jesus poured it out. Upon his children. Upon the believers. And he said that it's going to cause, he said, you just sit here and I'm going to make your enemies your footstool. This is part of your blessing. And he, then he says it's going to flow generationally from generation to generation, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. They were not just taking it by faith. They had received something that you've seen the effect of. Amen. They seen it and they heard it. Now, that's what people don't like. <laughs> you can talk about the Holy Spirit all day long. To any people group, any, any, when well, I say people group, I mean any church, any denomination, you can talk about the Holy Spirit all day long. But when it manifests, when it's tangible, when it becomes something unexplainable, it is not until then we have an issue with it. Amen? As if the God we serve is so small that humanity can explain him. Amen? Now who wants a God like that? Come on. Who want, what kind of God do you have if you can explain him? Amen. But the scripture said, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Neither is it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for us. In other words, you cannot fathom him. You cannot imagine how great he is. Amen. When you come to the end of your thinking, when you come to the end of your knowledge, when you come to the end of all you are, he's still greater than that. Amen. 
And so that we have to understand that, that when we step out of the realm of theory and we begin to walk in the realm of experience, people have a problem with that. Amen. But this is the reason why I've been made righteous. So that I can walk in another realm. So that I can receive this precious gift of the Holy Spirit and he can help me with both sin and righteousness. Amen. So that, that I, I, I thank God for brothers and sisters. I thank God for accountability. You understand? Amen. But the greatest accountability you can have is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And whenever he, you, he comes and abides in you, he will let you know. Whenever you're making him uncomfortable. Amen. He'll let you know when, he gets, when, when it becomes uncomfortable. Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so he comes to abide in you. Amen. Amen. And so I know that, that this is unpopular teaching today. I know that the Holy Spirit, you know, it's a... It's a you got you to, you know, you got to tone it down because you might scare somebody. <laughs> Amen. Don't need to do, talk about that on Sunday mornings because it may scare, scare folks away. No, no, I think you're wrong. I think people are want, they're, they're tired of the pomp and the play. They're tired of what man can do. They're tired of all of this, this fuzzy stuff. And they want to know, how can I get delivered for real? How can my life be changed for real? How, how can I know that I'm on my way to heaven for real? I, I want to know. Amen. I want to know. Does anybody want to know? I want to know. Amen, that I am in right standing with God and the Holy Spirit is that indicator that leads me and guides me and directs me and ordains my steps. Amen. I've come to this conclusion. What kind of pastor would you think that I would be if I knew about this precious gift, this promise, this power to lead, to guide, and direct and never told you about it? Why, you ought to run me out of here quicker than I could get in. And, 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 uh, huh? Because if it is that precious, if it is that wonderful, then somebody needs to tell this world. Somebody needs to tell America. Somebody needs to tell the church folk. Amen. That there is a power that redeems us. There is an anointing that lives inside of us. That this Holy Spirit has come to abide in us forever. Amen. <laughs> I seen somebody and, 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 you know, and thank God for the Holy Spirit. It'll lead us. It'll guide us. But that doesn't mean we don't need to be a part of something. I seen last, I think it was yesterday. I seen, I was scrolling through 
uh, on my phone and I seen this young man. I, I knew who he was and, and he was talking about this great revival. And he, he was talking about it was uh, down in, in the south and, and he was saying that, you know, it was in a wicked place. And, and he was talking about all this and it was sounding good and glorious. And, and then he, 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 he uh, said something just turned me off. He said, this isn't no church. This isn't no denomination. This isn't backed by no church. I just said, whoop. Amen? Because if, there, if it, you don't have a foundation, then you'd just be floating around and all kinds of crazy stuff's going to get started. It could be started good, but you've got to have a, you gotta have a foundation. You've got to be anchored to something. Amen? And I don't know how good, how good you are and how good I am. We need a foundation. We need something that is an anchor to our soul where that we are established and we are accountable and the Holy Spirit can work through that, right? Amen. Amen. I don't know how many people's called me and said they wanted to come and sing. I said, well, where do you go to church? Well, I just got, you know, oh, God's glorious church is my church. I said, well, just keep singing there then. Amen. People want to come and preach. The first thing I ask them, where, 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 who's your pastor? Where, where do you go to church? Oh, I just go everywhere. Well, just keep it up. Amen. Because I don't, I don't need no weirdos. Come on. And if you've got a word from God, then you're going to be established in something. There's going to be an anchor somewhere. Amen. Because that's the way the word of God works. Amen. But I'd be, I feel like I'd be a terrible pastor not to tell somebody and introduce them to the Holy Spirit and say the Holy Spirit has come to lead us and guide us and direct us and ordain our steps and say to you, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Isaiah 28 and 11. Have that for me. I know it's a very familiar scripture. He says this, with a stammering lip and another tongue will he speak unto this people. And yet they would not hear. Amen. Now that you're saved and you've been washed in the blood and you've become the righteousness of God, the greatest gift you can receive is the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm almost done. Is my time up? Oh, I'm doing good. So let me just ask you today, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, there isn't no formula. I know some people say, well, I was down and, and they tell their story and that's good. That's all right, right? I was down and I received it this way. I was on my knees and I started clapping my hands and the Holy Spirit came. Other people say I was worshiping and the Holy Spirit came. Others say I was by myself. You know, that. There isn't no formula, but there, is, there are ways in the scripture where that there comes a point of agreement. Now, I'm almost done, but let me just tell you this. I heard growing up, it was preached, and I don't know that it was so much that what they preached it as the way I took it, but they said, come and tarry at the altar. Come and tarry. Come and tarry. So that's what I heard. That's what I 
what I gathered is, is you got to go there and, and work your way through until you get the Holy Spirit. But as I began to read the word for myself, I found out that the only place that they tarried was in the upper room. And they were waiting for the promise to come is the reason they were tarrying or they were waiting. But after the upper room experience on the day of Pentecost, nowhere else does it say they tarried. They just received. Are you with me? They just received. Why? Because they were the righteousness of God. They had, been, they had received Jesus as their Savior. They had been baptized or they had been saved and baptized into the kingdom, if you will. And so now they were coming to receive, not tarry. And let me give you one way that the Bible says that they received the Holy Spirit, and that is by laying on of hands. Right? Now, why would they use laying on of hands to receive the Holy Spirit? Let me suggest to you it was merely just a, a, a time of release. It was a place of agreement that... It was like the woman who made up in her heart that when I touch the hem of his garment, that's when I'll be healed. And so when Paul and the apostles came and laid their hands upon them, there was a point of contact, there was a release, but there was also a, an opportunity or a place for the person receiving to agree. Are you with me? And so in Acts chapter 8 and verse 17, it says they laid hands laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The apostles laid hands upon them and when they did, they received. Nothing about tarrying. It was about receiving. And then Acts chapter 19 and verse 16, and when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Amen. People get all wigged out about, about the Holy Spirit because they say, well, do I, have to, do I have to speak in tongues? No, you get to. Amen, you get to. All through the New Testament, there is not one occasion when someone received the Holy Spirit that, now this isn't theory, this is reality. Right? We're not dealing with theory anymore. We're dealing with the reality. We're dealing with the release of the Spirit. Every time that they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, it was, it was followed by tongues. Somebody says, well, that's weird. That's crazy. That's weird stuff. Well, are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, you already believe a whole lot of weird stuff. You believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. You're weird. Huh? You believe that Jesus grew up to be the Son of God, that he died and was put in a tomb, and three days later he got up. Now, how stupid is that? That's weird. Huh? 
Let me go a little further. Then when you come to accept him as Jesus, as Savior, as Lord, you to pray to a man you cannot see. And believe that when you say these words, because you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, and you, and you confess it with your mouth, that he is the Son of God, you believe that your sins have washed away, and you think that something rolled off of you. You're weird. So why don't you just step on over into some more weird and just go ahead and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Amen. And just allow his presence. Yes, it sounds weird to the, the, uh, to the logic of man, but it is not a weird or a strange thing. It is we have stepped over into the realm of the Spirit. Amen. And so if we're going to walk this out today, we must walk it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he said he laid hands upon them, and when they laid their hands upon them, they received the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the initial evidence, the initial evidence is speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. Utterance, what is that? Just means he gives you the enablement. He gives you the words to speak, right? Say it with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I just gave you the utterance, but you had to speak it. Amen. Holy Spirit's not going to come on you and make you do anything, but you have to partner with him. Just like the day of salvation, when you confessed your sins to him and you, you, you accepted him as Savior and Lord, then now we come and we accept the Holy Spirit. And as he gives us the utterance, as he gives us the words, by faith we begin to speak the words that makes no sense to the head, but only comes out of the Spirit. Amen. And as it does, it flows out. And when it flows out, it's a river of living water. Glory to God. Now I want to tell you today how we can overcome a lot of our our struggles, a lot of our temptations, a lot of our desires, a lot of our thoughts is to allow this Holy Spirit to flow out of us every day. Every day. Every day. It's not just for Sundays. It's not just for a day. It's not just for special occasions. Amen. But I submit to you, yes, the Holy Spirit, it, 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 there are times when the Holy Spirit will come in our worship and we can sing in the Spirit and we can sing with understanding. But I want to tell you the greatest thing that the Holy Spirit does is in our prayer life, in the private place, that we don't know how to pray as we should and we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us. That is where that prayer language, that is where that power resides for us to be able to do what we cannot do to give us direction, to give us wisdom, to give us understanding, to give us enlightenment about situations. And we pray in the Spirit and when we do, He flows through us and empowers us to do what we cannot do ourselves. Amen. And I'm thankful for him today. I could give you a lot of examples when the Holy Spirit has helped me. But I don't want to keep you too long today. But I'm telling you today, I'll just shorten it and tell you this, that 
he can make an old country boy look like a genius if you just keep your mouth shut and pray in the spirit amen and I don't, I don't, I don't corner him up and say you know I'll meet you over there in the prayer closet but whenever I'm walking through Walmart I mean God you know I need the Holy Ghost in Walmart And I'm not out there praying out loud. But in my spirit, under my breath. God, I want to praise you today. Amen. Just allow the Holy Spirit to flow through your life. I promise you, your day will be so much better. Amen. Your day will come so much better if you just partner with the Holy Spirit and understand that you are the righteousness of God. The Holy Spirit has come to live on the inside of you and just let Him flow like a river all day long. You don't have to do it out loud. You don't have to do it where everybody knows. You just need to let the Holy Spirit flow. And as the Holy Spirit flows, He'll cleanse you. He'll pour out upon you. He'll give you wisdom, direction, knowledge, understanding. What you need, He is. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today, please? Father, I love you today. I sense your presence here, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Jesus, for pouring out the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Jesus, for pouring out the Holy Spirit that God in these last days that we would prophesy, we would speak with new tongues, we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. We thank you today, Father God, that your power is real and it is present. And now in this day, in this hour, God, we pray that there be a tangible manifestation of your presence. God, let there be a tangible manifestation of your presence. Let us not just live in theory, but let us live in a release of revelation. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I wonder how many here today would say, Pastor, I, I, I've accepted salvation. I've accepted righteousness. But maybe you haven't yet received this precious gift of the Holy Spirit. But you say, I'd like to receive it today. Or maybe it's been a while since there's been a flow of the Spirit of God in your life. And you just say, I just want that well to be spring, spring up in me again. Amen. Because the Bible talks about many baptisms. Amen. Many, one, one, excuse me, one baptism, but many refillings. And so today, if it's been a while since the Holy Spirit has flowed through your life, this would be a good day to let that well spring up again and just let it be restored and renewed in your life today. Amen. And so if that's you, if you say, yes, I want that today, I want you to come. And I just want you to receive today with great joy. Glory to God. There's a presence here today. There's a presence of the Holy Spirit here today. And we just want to receive with joy today the presence of the Lord.